Well, it's good to see everybody on a Wednesday night, the first Wednesday of May. Can you believe it's May already? Hallelujah. Well, every May and Wednesday, I'll, I'll be teaching on uh, the subject of ministry gifts. So I believe there's five Wednesdays. Uh, so we're going to systematically work our way through line upon line, precept upon precept, and uh, just bring clarity, review for some, uh, some new information for others. But thank God, anytime that we receive his word, it builds faith within our life. Let's declare that anytime we receive, anytime we receive his, word, his word, it builds faith. In our life. So we're going to title this series, uh, Grow Where You're Planted. Grow Where You're Planted. Grow Where You're Planted. So tonight we're going to go ahead and just lay some foundational scriptures that will carry us through the rest of the Wednesday night. So if you're taking notes, which would be good for you to do, uh, we're going to start off in Psalms 92. And uh, look at a few verses from Psalms 92. But before we do that, I just want to go ahead and define ministry because a lot of people have a misconception of what ministry is. A lot of people think that this is ministry standing behind a pulpit and speaking. How many of you think that's what ministry is? Nobody. I thought it was like that at one time in my life. Uh, but I want to go ahead and just define, I think the Bible does the best job of uh, defining terms, amen? And it's good just to get our terms directly, our definitions directly from the Word as much as we can. But over in Matthew chapter 8, before we get to Psalms 92, I just want to show you what ministry is from the Word of God. So Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse number 14 and going through verse number 15. The Word of God says this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 15. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother. So this is Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick with a fever. And since it was his mother-in-law, he didn't do anything. No. That's not true. Just want to make sure you're awake. So Jesus touched her hand, and the fever left her. Now, the King James Version says, it, and it says, she arose and ministered to them. So obviously, ministry wasn't standing behind a pulpit and preaching. I like the way the New King James Version says it. Instead of saying that she ministered after the fever had left her because of the touch of Jesus, it said that she arose and served them. So really, in essence, ministry is service. And you can serve in, in many different capacities and functions in your life. Uh, I'll just give you some examples. You can, you can minister at your job by just doing your job well. Uh, if, if you're a salesman, when you sell something, you're ministering to a potential client. Uh, if you work in the mechanic field, you minister or serve somebody by fixing their, you know, their vehicle their motorcycle, whatever it may be. Um, at the house, spouses can minister or serve one another by doing dishes. Yeah. By vacuuming a rug. By doing laundry. Amen. 
ministry is just service. You can minister by words. The Bible says, you know, while it's called today, let us exhort one another. So you can, you can serve somebody with your words. So service has many different, uh, many different uh, manifestations that it can take on. And in our kingdom, it's different from the kingdom of the world. In Matthew chapter 20, the word of God says this about service or ministry. Because a lot, a lot of times, I'll give you this principle and then I'll read this verse, all right? Your care for others is the measure of your greatness. Your care for others is the measure of your greatness. In our, in our kingdom, Jesus says this same thing in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse number 22. Let me back up to verse number 21 to put in context. And, it's, and he said to her, back up, let me verse, back up to verse number 20. This is the mother of Zebedee. And she came, uh, and her son, she came and kneeling down asking something from Jesus. So the mother of two of his disciples came asking something from Jesus. And what she asked was, can one of my sons sit on your left and one on the right? And he said to her, what do you wish? She said, grant that these two sons of mine sit one on the right, one on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but is for those whom it is prepared by my father. When the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Why? Because the kingdom of God operates differently than the kingdom of the world. Your your care for others is the measure of your greatness, and ministry is simply service. And Jesus is putting all in perspective in the kingdom of God, and we need to leave with that perspective tonight. You want to be great at your job? Serve. You want to be great um, if you're an employee or an employer? Serve those that work for you or those whom you work for. You want to be great in parenting? Serve your kids. You want to be great in your marriage? Serve your spouse. Jesus said, he goes on to say, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave or your servant, just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve or to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So in the kingdom of God, really ministry comes through service. We can go to a lot of other scriptures, man. If you want to get promoted within the kingdom of God, there's a thing called humility that comes before honor. 1 Peter 5 says, if you, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand, God, he will exalt you to another platform of ministry in your life. All right, so I just want to set the stage with what ministry really is. It's not really standing behind a pulpit and preaching ministry service. And if you want to be great, you need to serve others through the ministry that God has given you. In Psalms 92, verses 13 through 15, we're just going to look at these three scriptures and set our foundation from this for the weeks to come. Amen. Psalms 92 says this, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fresh 
I like the King James Version. It says fat. They shall be fat and flourishing, and we'll define that, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The Amplified says these verses like this. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. Planted, planted, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. They will still thrive and bring forth fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust, love, and commitment. They are living um, memorials, um, memorials, thank you. I know that didn't sound right. To declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. So let's just define some words from these three passages, uh, these three verses of scripture. What does flourish mean? Because it says the righteous will flourish like a date palm or like a palm tree. They'll grow like the cedars in Lebanon. So I just want to look at a few of these terms before we launch out further into our study. The word flourish means to sprout, to bloom, or to break forth. To break forth. To sprout, to bloom, or to break forth. That means that there's a seed planted, it's germinating, it's going to push out new sprouts. When you're flourishing, things are going to break forth in your life. It also means to be in a state of healthiness. Is your soul well tonight? Is your soul healthy? You realize this, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in this body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And God wants you healthy, spirit, soul, and body. God wants you healthy, spirit, soul, and God wants you healthy, spirit, soul, and body. I am a spirit. It would, good, it would do you good to say this to yourself. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And when you're flourishing, that means you're in a state of healthiness. You're in a state of growth and vigor. And this is, this is how God wants you to live. Many believers that are born again, listen, church, many believers that are born again are losing the battle in their soul realm. Some of the greatest battles in the history of mankind has happened between these two things. Some of the greatest battles of all the wars that have been fought in the history of the world, some of the greatest battles have happened between your ears. But God wants you, the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 2 and 3, it says, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. It's our responsibility to keep our mind stayed upon God. What does that mean? He wants your mind fixed, firmed, and planted on him. And then the result of that, the promise of that, is there will be peace in your life. So if you need more peace, then you keep your mind more stayed on him. James 1 says, let us receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our soul. James was writing to the church. They were already born again. But he said, there's a problem with your soul realm. You need to receive with meekness or humility because the greatest in the kingdom is servant of all. We're not looking for a position or a title. We're looking to do God's assignment in our life. And in doing that, he said, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Let your thoughts line up with his thoughts. 
If you truly want peace that passes understanding, you're going to have to, you know, put your big boy or big girl britches on and get, a, get rid of the, you know, the, the little spaghetti noodle of a backbone and put a crowbar back there. And, and, and make up your mind. There's nothing like a made-up mind. And when something hits you that's contrary to the word of God, do you run to the word and find that place of peace in your life? If a circumstance has hit you and it's putting pressure on you, call pressure your servant. And peace, my master. Colossians 3 in the Amplified Bible says, let peace be your umpire. Deciding with all finality any questions that arise in your mind. What's an umpire do? It tells you what to swing at. Let the peace of God be the guiding force in your life. The Bible says that he that hastens his feet sins. We live in a microwave society. Everything has to happen and it has to happen now. You have 11 items in a 10-item checkout lane. And we'll see where your flesh is at real quick. Are you one of those that hopes that the cashier actually doesn't count the items and you're going to go ahead and try to pass it through? Or are you the person that actually puts one item up so you stay righteous, but you're still in a, in a hurry because you don't want to get in the long checkout line? Right? Has anybody been there? So he said, you will flourish like a palm tree. You're going to grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Listen, let me talk to you about palm trees tonight because God gives us two characteristics that we need to just zero in on. A palm tree is described as flourishing, upright. Its branches are a symbol of victory. Rising with a slender stem 40 or 50 or even at times 80 feet aloft, its only branches, the feathery, snow-like, pale green fronts from 6 to 12 feet long, bending from its top. The palm tree attracts the eye wherever it's seen. Palm, uh, palm branches appear from early times that have been associated with rejoicing. On the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Hebrews were commanded to take branches of palms with other trees and rejoice before God. He said, you're going to be flourishing like a palm tree with victory. You're going to be flourishing like a palm tree with rejoicing. The palm grows slowly. which again is antithesis to our culture in the sense that everything needs to happen and needs to happen now. Man, my Lord, if your cell phone doesn't pull up in four seconds, the internet site you're trying to go to. Right? What is wrong with my service? I'm going to call my provider. And if they don't correct it, I'm going to go with another provider. I pray that God test some of you. And that little round thing just keeps on going, right? <laughs> it grows slowly, but listen, steadily. It grows slowly, but steadily. Let's say that the palm tree grows slowly, but steadily. From century to century, uninfluenced, I like this, the palm tree is uninfluenced by those uh, 
alternations of seasons which affect other trees. It does not rejoice over much in winter's uh, copious rain, nor does it droop under the drought or the burning of the sun of the summer. Neither heavy weights which people place upon it um, or the wind can sway it aside from perfect uprightness. There it stands, looking calmly down upon the world. And patiently, you and its large cluster of golden fruit from generation to generation. I'll never forget when we first moved to Florida, I think it was the first summer or two, and uh, we need God's perspective in our life. We need to get that 360-degree view of his view for our life. And when, uh, when we first moved, we did the jet skis because, you know, we hadn't done those where we lived at. And we also did parasailing, right? Is that what it's called when you, they get behind the boat and you get up and they take you way up and all you're thinking about is if this line breaks, <laughs> you're looking for sharks way up there. But I remembered how it was a different perspective. I don't know what the altitude was, but I remember looking down. It was so quiet and so serene. There was, there was no noise, no hustle and bustle. But it really made you think, this, this is God's perspective. He looks down on humanity to, to see what's going on in the earth. And sometimes we just need to get that heavenly glimpse through his eyes in that peaceful state so that we can continue our journey in life. So he wants you to flourish like a palm tree. He also wants you to grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The cedars often figuratively allude in the sacred scripture. They were called the mighty conquerors of olden days, this tree. It grew very abundantly in Palestine and particularly in Lebanon, of which it was the glory. Hiram supplied Solomon with cedar trees from Lebanon for various purposes connected with the construction of the temple and the king's palace. This uh, cedar tree is reddish in color. I like this. It's offensive to insects. That's one thing you can uh, have offense to is to keep the bugs away. Right? And it's very durable. The cedar symbolically is a type of Christian being evergreen, beautiful, aromatic, widespreading, slow-growing, long-lived, and has many uses. So he said, I want you to be flourishing like the palm tree and growing like the cedar in Lebanon. And then he makes this statement, because we're talking about ministry gifts, and we're going we're gonna to really go ahead and uh, thoroughly explain this over the next five weeks that we have. But this is really a scripture that really goes along and where we took the title from, uh, those uh, uh, that are planted will grow. Is that how the title? Grow where you're planted. You can edit that. <laughs> Grow where you're planted. The next verse says this, though, in verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. It didn't say those who come to church on Easter Sunday. Those that come to church on major holidays. Those that come to church when circumstances of life seem so overwhelming that I got to get to the Lord. And I'm not trying to talk down on anybody, but I am trying to encourage you about consistency in church attendance. It has made all the difference in my life. Are you listening? 
I've been in three churches since 1997. Three churches. And the only reason I left Raymond Christian Center in Columbus, Ohio, is because God said. And how you leave determines how you enter. I didn't leave offended. I didn't leave disgruntled. I left with the blessing of Apostle Scales. And boy, how has that come full circle? God told me to go get further training at Raymond Bible Training Center. Stayed there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I don't know how long it's been broken. They haven't fixed it. But thank God, that was, that was my third joke of the year. See, goals are important. And I must be flourishing like a palm tree and growing like a cedar because I got actually, people are laughing. I'm making sure there's no applause sign behind me or laughter. All right. That's a funny one. Thank you. We should close right now. Take up an offering. But he told me to go there and obviously for further training. It was right. I had a peace about it. And God, you know, when, when you're following the will of God, it's just like everything works out magically. I know that's not the greatest term, but it just, it just works out when you're following God. It just works out when you're following God. But if you're in a rush, you're hasty. I like how Kenneth E. Hagen used to say it. If you're making a decision and you feel like you just got out of the bathtub with your socks on, you should try that. It feels really weird. And that's what he was saying. It feels really weird. You're making a hasty decision. Uh, that won't, that's not going to work out so well. But those that are planted in the house of the Lord, I left there, obviously got connected with God. God just worked everything out. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I found a good thing at Ramah. I found some divine connections at Rhema, looking at Pastor Brian, Pastor Earl, Pastor Marcy, our senior pastors. And God was just working everything out. Left there in 2004. Why? Because God said. Peaceful decisions. Peaceful decisions. Now, your mind may try to wrestle you, but in your heart, you know that you know that this is the right step. But those that are planted in the house of the Lord. So I've been in three churches in the last uh, 20 years. So I've been planted. Praise God. The word planted means this, to set, to fix, and to be established. So if you want to get the blessing and the promise of this verse, this one verse that says, you'll flourish in the courts of your God. That means you have to be planted in the house of the Lord. So you have to be set, fixed, and established. Now listen, this means more than your body being at church. I like the way Apostle Scales said it, and I'm not sure if he said it during ministry or during a leadership luncheon, but he said, no matter where I go, there I am. I bring all that's within me, and I'm fully engaged. No matter where I am, there I am. I bring all that's within me, and I'm fully engaged. 
And so when you come to church, it's not coming and, and just sitting down, plopping down, uh, doing your duty. I, wherever I am, there I am. I bring all that's within me. I am fully engaged. I'm fixed. I'm set. I'm established. It literally means I'm put in this place. God wants me to be settled. He wants me to, uh, to remain. He's ordained me and appointed me for this season of my life at Anchor Faith Church. So I'm set. Listen, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15 says this from the Amplified Bible. Just in this thought of being planted, being set, being fixed, being established. Genesis 2.15, there's four perfect chapters in the Bible. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and the last two chapters of Revelations. It says this in Genesis 2, though. It says, so the Lord God took the man he had made and settled him in the garden. Listen, the man didn't go where he wanted. God took the man and settled him in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. So God placed him, set him, fixed him, established him where he wanted him. Let me give you the New Testament parallel passage to that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 18. Now, if I was giving you a test over these next five Wednesdays, this would be one of the chapters that I would need you to know. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Really, the whole chapter is just great. We're just going to zero in on this one verse, though. But now God has set the members, every one of them. Does that include you? Are you a born-again believer, redeemed, blood-bought, Holy Spirit sealed? Then you're a member, and God has set you in the body where it's pleased him. Those that are planted, set, fixed, established where God wants them in the house of the Lord. Now, listen, the word house means this. Those belonging to the same household, family of descendants, descendants of an organized body. Didn't it just say in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 that he set them in the body where it's pleased him? Those that are planted in the house of the Lord and a house is a descendant of an organized body. I've heard it said, some people say, well, I don't like organized religion. Well, God doesn't like disorganized religion. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, let everything be done decently and in order. And really the people that don't like to come to the house of the Lord are those that have been offended about something. And therefore they do their own thing at their house, their house. And that's not the Lord's will. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. I'm not going to read all this scripture. I just want to uh, hit the first couple verses, but a powerful prayer that Paul prayed and wanted the church at Ephesus to pray. For this cause I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. He said, I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, right? Over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 18, starting at verse number 18, it says, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, listen, now therefore, now means it's immediate present. Now means no obstacle withstanding. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Those that are planted in the household of God. 
and you are being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What are we being built upon? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. We're going to talk to you over the weeks to come about the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. But it says right there in Ephesians that we're being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building uh, fitted frame, uh, fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. In the, in the Old Testament, this word house, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, it's actually translated 27 times as temple in the Old Testament. 27 times as temple. Let me say like the psalmist said in Psalms 122.1, he said, I was glad, not sad, when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, it's interesting because through the Holy Spirit, just in this one verse, verse 13, those that are playing the house of the Lord, we get two different names for God in this verse. The word Lord is where we get the word Jehovah from, which means I am the eternal living one. It signifies that he's self-derived and he permanently exists. Matter of fact, when Moses was talking to God, and isn't it good to converse with God? He asked the question, who should I, I'm going to the Israelites, I'm going to Pharaoh, who should I say sent me? And so God says in Exodus 3.14, tell him this, I am that I am. Which means I always have been, I always will be. I am the self-existent one. And that's what Jehovah means, that he's, he's, he always has been, he always will be. The name Jehovah designates his nature as he stands in relation to man, as the only almighty, true, personal, holy being, a spirit and the father of spirits, who, re, who revealed himself to his people, made a covenant with them, and became their lawgiver, and to whom all honor and all praise is due. Now, let's pick up the second half of this verse. Those that are playing the house of Jehovah shall flourish in the courts of their God. Now, courts means this. It's an enclosure. It's a place surrounded by a fence. It's really the inner court. But when I was studying this today, it made me think about flourishing in the courts of our God if we're playing in the house of the Lord, in the house of Jehovah. Genesis 2.15, just to remind you what I just said, the Lord God took the man because he puts us in courts or he gives us a place. I'll say it this way. There's a grace for your place. There's a grace for your place. Let's say that there's a grace for my place. The Lord God took the man he had made and he settled him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and to keep it. First Peter chapter four, verse number 10 I'm going to read this from two different translations, just as with this uh, thought of he's put us in a court or a place that has a fence around it. Because even, even in the beginning, God placed Adam where it pleased him, and he gave him boundaries or a, a, a sphere of influence to work in. I was reading last year, and I just want to share this with you because a lot of us are looking for provision in life. A lot of us are looking for success in life. A lot of us are looking for increase in life, and there's nothing wrong that's admirable as long as you do it with humility, you're doing it in line with the will of God. That's, that's, that's perfect if you're doing it in line with his will. But I was reading out of Proverbs, and it said there's, there's abundance all around you in the uncultivated ground. And boy, that just took my breath away. 
I thought, they're all around me. What you're looking for is a lot closer than what you think. But, but God's giving you an enclosure or a place to work, and there's a grace for your place. You just got to operate by faith and get, you know, get the proper stuff out, start tilling up the ground, getting the weeds out, start planting the seeds, start watering it, start speaking over it. And abundance is right there. It's closer than you think. Matter of fact, when I read that last year, it really made me think of um, Hagar when, when Sarah kicked her out because it wasn't the child of promise and the child was going to die. And, and she said, Lord, we're going to die. And he said, there's water right there. She just didn't see it, but it was right there the whole time. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says this. Just as each one, uh, yeah, 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 first Peter chapter four. Y'all there? I don't even know what version this is. That's why I stopped. Okay, first Peter chapter four. This is the word of God. <laughs> Serve one another with particular gifts God has given each of you as faithful dispensers of the, the magnificence or the varied grace of God. If any of you is a preacher, then he should preach his message as from God. In, in whatever way a man serves, what is ministry? Service. In whatever way a man or mankind, male and female, serves the church he should do it recognizing the fact that God has given him or her the ability so that God may be glorified in everything through Jesus Christ. To him belong praise and power forever. Amen. Now, the Amplified says it like this. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it. Employ it. There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. Employ it in serving one another. What is ministry? Serving as it is appropriate for good stewards of God, God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christian by God's unmerited favor. Listen, there's such a variety of gifts, personalities, and talents within the body of Christ. I just want to insert right now, right now there's a grace for your place. Don't try to be somebody else. Uh, in Galatians 5, there's a work of the flesh called emulations where you're trying to be somebody else. God wants you to be you. Psalms 139, David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Unique are you. You're rare. You're costless. You're preciously, precious. There's no other fingerprint on the face of the planet than the one that you have on your finger. You are unique in God's eyes. He's given you a specific gift. Don't. Try to be somebody else. Don't emulate somebody else. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13 says this from the New International Version. It says, we do not uh, dare to uh, classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine there's a court to work in, confined. There's an enclosed place that God has placed you in. And he said, but we will confine our, our boasting to the sphere of service. God himself has assigned to us a sphere that which also includes you. 
So be yourself. I like what Charles Swindoll said. He said, rabbits don't fly, eagles don't swim, ducks look funny trying to climb. Squirrels don't have feathers. Stop comparing. There's plenty of room for you in the forest. Proverbs 18, 16 says this, your gift, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift. What is God? It's not a title. When I was reading that one day, God said, it's not your title that makes room for you. It is your gift on the inside of you that makes room. And listen, God is a God of increase. He gives you an enclosure to be or a place to work in with a boundary around it so you can start. He that's faithful with little will be faithful with. Guess what? As you're faithful with what God gives you, as you're faithful as a man or a woman of God, as you're faithful as a husband or a wife, as you're faithful as a mother or a father, as you're faithful at your employment, guess what? God's going to increase your capacity. A man's gift makes room for him. Matthew 25 talks about the talents. There was five, there was two, there was one, and they worked what God had given them. You can never say, I don't, I don't have what it takes. Don't say that. A lot of people have that self-talk. I, I just don't know how, I don't, know, I don't have what it takes. Yes, you do. God would not call you to do something but you got to cultivate it. You got to work it. Maybe you're meditating on the wrong thing. Maybe you need a checkup from the neck up and get rid of your stinking thinking and be where you're designed to be, which is seated with him in heavenly places. And, and meditation is the matrix, the womb, the birthplace of creativity. And that word God, he said, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. That word God is Elohim, which means he is, and the word Elohim literally means he's the creator of the universe, the all-powerful one. Genesis 1 never uses the word Jehovah till we get to Genesis 2.4. It always says God Elohim said, Elohim said, and he has the distinct ability of uh, the, 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 the Greek words bara to make something from nothing. But it says we're made in his image and his likeness. So if he is the creator, then he's put creative ability on the inside of us. And maybe your promotion, maybe your increase is just two weeks away from you consistently meditating to get creative ideas because Elohim put himself in you. Therefore, there's creativity on the inside of you. One creative idea can make you millions of dollars. Moses got the plan on the mountain, spending time with God. You're going to get the plan, spending time with him. And really, symbolically, that mountain that he was on, God said, set boundaries around it. If anything tries to come through, kill it. And symbolically today, if any thought tries to penetrate your mind that's not of God, it needs to die. So he is Elohim. So it says that you shall flourish in the courts of Elohim, the creator. And I like this. It says that you shall still bring forth fruit in old age. You shall be fresh and flourishing. Like I said, the King James Version says fat and flourishing. I like this because the palm tree just gets better with age. A lot of people think about retiring in the United States when really in the kingdom we should think about refiring. And some of your best years should be like Haggai the prophet said, your latter years will be better than your former. 
Listen to the story of Lester Summerall when he sought out Smith Wigglesworth later in life. A lot of people, because Smith Wigglesworth was in his 80s, and Brother Barry's doing this now with Prophet John Todd, uh, just sort of thought, man, you know, he's, he's done his ministry, and not a lot of people were seeking him out, but Lester Summerall, a boy from Indiana, I don't know if he's in his 20s, maybe 30s, he just had it on his heart, I need to go visit this man of God. So he went over to England, and his first encounter with him, he knocks on the door. Smith knew he was coming. And Smith, uh, Lester Summerall had a newspaper under his arm. And he's ready. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go do business with this man of God. And Lester, uh, Smith Wigglesworth opens up the door. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth was very gruff. He wasn't a highly educated man, but mightily used of God. He said, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? He says, newspaper. No newspapers in the house. He had to put it on top of the bushes outside and get in the house. He walks in and sits down and eats breakfast with him. After that, uh, Smith Wiggles gets out the Bible, starts reading, and then they start praying. This went on for like an hour. Lester Summerall left the house, thought, man, I didn't get nothing. That was a waste of time. He's walking down the street. I didn't get nothing. I didn't get nothing. He's walking down. He said, I got something. I got something. I got something. He realized just spending time around this guy, there was an impartation that was happening. It said uh, that before Smith Wigglesworth passed away, that he was a taller man than Lester Summerall, that he laid hands on him and with tears prayed over him. And those tears flowed down Smith Wigglesworth's cheeks onto the head of Lester Summerall. But what a story. Even in his 80s, he was still bringing forth fruit, imparting to the next generation. And that's where really the legacy of a palm tree is because it always leaves fruit in the earth even when it dies. And so what are you going to impart to the next generation? What are you allowing in your life right now, even if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, what are you allowing God to work in you that you can get out to increase his kingdom? The word fat means this. It means to be rich and fertile, not an increase of calories. The word flourishing means to be fresh or green. So even as you age, you could still have freshness. And greenness is just a sign of life that something's healthy. It's still flourishing in life. All right, now let's begin our journey over the next few minutes, which will set us up for next week. Over in Ephesians chapter 4. Once again, if I was given a quiz, there's three passages of Scripture which we call in hermeneutics or Bible interpretation, parallel passages. And I'm going to give those to you right now so you can jot those down. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses, really, verses 11 through 16. Oh, and then I'm just going to give you Romans 12 and, and 1 Corinthians 12. These are all parallel passages written by the Apostle Paul. And we'll, we'll look at these frequently over the next few Wednesdays. But we're going to start our, our journey for the ministry gifts in this scripture. So let's go to verse number uh, 6. Let's back up, read this. From verse number one, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you'd walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, 
uh, with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the union of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But to each one of us, grace. Say grace. grace. Say grace. grace. There is a grace for your place. Was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he, which is referring to Jesus, also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Then it says, Jesus himself gave some to be. And this is what we call the fivefold ministry or those in full-time ministry. There's more to the body of Christ than just the fivefold ministry, but there's a diversity of gifts. There's a variety of gifts. Within, even within the fivefold ministry, there's a diversity of gifts. But this is part of the body. He gave some, not all, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Four. Now listen, he gave these five ministry gifts for three reasons. And this is important for you to know, and we'll study this out in the weeks to come. Four, number one, the equipping of the saints. Four, number two, so that the saints could do the work of the ministry. What's ministry? Serving. And the third, the outcome of this, the third thing for the edifying of the body of Christ. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried around with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love that we would grow up. Say, grow up. Grow up. We want to grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. I want to back up to verse number six and seven. And just read this from a few different translations. First, the Amplified. We have one God and Father of us all who is above all, sovereign over all, uh, pervading all and living in us all. Yet grace, grace, God's unmerited favor was given to each of us individually, not indiscriminately, but in different ways in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and bounteous gift. The Living Bible says it like this. We all have the same God and Father who is over us all, in us all, and living through every part of us. However, Christ has given each of us special abilities, whatever he wants us to have out of his rich storehouse of gifts. The J.B. Phillips says it like this. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is the one over all, the one working through all, and the one living in all. Naturally, there are different gifts and functions. Individually, grace is given to us in different ways out of the rich diversity of Christ's giving. There's a diversity of gifts. We should never be bored in church. There's a bunch of, de- bunch of different personalities, a bunch, a bunch of different gifts uh, within the church. Glory to God. So we need to understand, though, I want to just, as we're closing tonight, and we'll launch out into gr- more, more about grace next week, we need to understand, though, in these two verses that I just read, the grace of God. You need to understand the nature of God that prompted the giving of them. And I'm closing with this, this thought, grace is the root. All right? where your gift will show your fruit. 
but grace is the root. Grace is the fountain and wellspring that helps produce the fruit. The ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist, and even the grace within the body of Christ are an expression of the riches, of the richness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave them because he values and esteems his body. Specifically, church, I want, I want you to understand this, that God gave the five-fold ministry because he values and esteems you. God gave the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, and teacher because he values you. And it's grace that helps these ministries thrive. It's grace that helps you thrive in any area that God's called you to. I want to set this example before you about grace. How many of an, an air conditioning unit at the house? Everybody have an AC? Pretty much everybody? If not, you need one. But when you go to set that thermostat, right? And you push that button to whatever temperature you desire, like 71 or 70, right? 71, Angie says, at night. That's hope. You have a confident expectation when you see that number. Faith is like the electricity that comes to that thermostat. There's an action with faith. And really, faith is really the currency or the electricity of God. But it would never work without AC units on this roof. We could have electricity. We could have the thermostat. But grace is like those AC units. It's the very root that helps everything thrive. So for the rest of this week, I just want you to really focus in on, are you doing things in your own dependence? Are you dependent upon God and his grace in your life? Because it's way easier and it's way more successful to operate through his grace than through your own natural means and ability. So Father, we thank you for tonight. And I pray, Father, as a reminder, Lord, that we wholeheartedly, Father, plug into your grace, Father.